The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Guy podcast. We are your host, Steve and Kyle. How's it going, Kyle? It's going same night, same night as the last episode. Same night for you guys. So, well, different night for you guys. I know. Same well, night for us. Yeah, we record two a night or three or however many we can get done. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little fucking <laughs> ominous. Anyway, um, tonight I'm going to bring you a group of stories about a weird triangle but not the weird triangle you think i'm going to bring you stories from so before we can get into that little ditty we got to go through all the business so check us out at all of our social medias facebook instagram twitter youtube search up the hollow sky podcast and we will be there hop on over to our facebook group and you can come and share your creepy stories share memes share creepy news articles you find, weird and interesting things, and all that good stuff. Speaking of weird stories, if you have one you'd like to submit, Kyle's going to tell you how to do that. You can call us at one eight seven seven eight zero zero hollow Leave a voice message, and then we can play it on here. You can write in a story, and then we can read it. And you can email that to hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can use your voice memo app on your smartphone, record your story, and then shoot it over to the email. And then we can just put it on here, listen to it, talk about it, and have a good time. You know the deal. You do you know, know the works. deal. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure to shoot on over and leave us a rating and review, preferably five-star. But however you think we're doing, just let us know. We appreciate all the feedback. Um, You leave us a five-star rating and review, we will gladly shout you out. Uh, We don't have any new ones right now to do so. So hop on over there and do that. Um, Also, make sure you're sharing the show with your friends, anybody who's into weird, paranormal conspiracies. Just give us a shout-out. 
share our page, do whatever. You guys have been doing awesome, and we are. By the time this comes out, we will be way past ten thousand downloads. Which we'll is, probably be at like forty thousand. Well, we probably won't be that. That's no, we won't be there. <laughs> but we will be past ten thousand, which is just fucking insane to me. That being said, we're getting ready to do a little giveaway. By the time this comes out, we'll probably be probably already done a little giveaway. We got some cool, creepy shit together that we're going to give out or we have already given out. I have to think in the future. Back to the future. Yeah. Marty McFly. Yeah. Biff. <laughs> <laughs> that name never gets old. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll quit. Just flying off at the mouth. So, share us. We love you guys. You're awesome. Yes, sir. Uh, before we get into the weird triangle, we are going to get into our listener story of the night. That is from our friend Marion here in Illinois. And she says, hey, hope it's okay. I messaged you guys on here. I guess it's because she messaged us on the Facebook page, which is totally cool. If you want to get your story to us that way, feel free. You can message us on any of our social medias and we'll gladly share that way too. Yeah, or I could, uh, we could give out your address and people could write, like I write letters to you. Yeah, you can send us a snail mail. <laughs> that'd be cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, if that's, that's what you want to do, school. but that'd be dope. True. Anyway, back to Marion's story. So I have a story. It's short, but it's weird and it's stuck with me ever since. So as a kid, I grew up in church, and one Sunday morning, my mom and I were driving there. We took 255 exit to Bethalto and turned right to head to Wood River. So we're right by Cutter Park, and I was looking out the window, and standing in the woods looking out to the road was a man. The thing is, he was clearly naked and almost blue. I only saw him for a second before passing by, but the look on his face was horrifying. His eyes were wide, black curly hair, and he was covering himself... He was covering himself by his waist area, though all the brush covered his lower half of him. I still don't know if he was real or a ghost, but I'll never forget him and the pure terror on his face and how cold he looked. I guess I could research to see if there was a murder or something in that specific area, but that's my story. Thanks for listening. I love the show and looking forward to what else you guys have to discuss. First off, thanks for sharing your story, Marion. That was bizarre. I'm, that is weird. I'm actually familiar with the area because you probably are too. Where we work, we travel that area all the time, down 255. Yeah. And we probably both merchandise Wood River Walmart right in the same basic spot. Yeah, for Rad Pepsi. Yeah, but that was a long life ago. Thank but the God. blue guy, I was... The first thing that came to my mind was there is an actual disease that turns people's skin blue. Which Not, is fucking weird. Yeah. The first thing that popped into my mind was the blue people of Kentucky, which are known as the Fugates. You can look them up, the blue Fugates. It's just kind of a clan of people that lived in the hills, and they had a genetic trait that led to the disease called methemoglobinemia? So, methemoglobinemia? They're fucking meth dealers? Yeah. No, maybe. <laughs> but it it is a genetic trait that leads to this disease that actually turns the people's skin blue. They don't know if it was possibly from inbreeding or anything like that, but it's an actual thing. It is weird. So it's not that specific section isn't paranormal, but you can look it up, and that kind of gives an earthly twist to the story, so to speak. But what you saw, I mean, the only thing I can think of is probably like a ghost. You know, like maybe yeah. someone had possibly drowned in the area 
or suffered from hypothermia. I know you said you're going to look into the area, see if you can see if there was any odd passings there. I didn't have the time to actually look into that, but that's kind of what I thought. Like maybe it was the spirit of somebody that drowned was the first thing that came to my mind because he wasn't wearing a whole lot of clothes. He had the appearance of being frigid and horrified and that's just kind of what I thought. I mean, I'm with you. I don't I don't know what else it could be, especially since it resembled a person so much cuz I have heard accounts of uh, extraterrestrials being blue. Yeah, you were telling me about this. I thought maybe it's kind of crazy too. Now that you read it and, you know, it, she it, she clearly saw a person from, you know, what I can gather from it, which doesn't really fit the description of the blue aliens, but I mean, it's got to be a ghost. It has to be other than that, like the the other logical explanation other than the blue disease people is a uh, some dick spray painted himself blue, <laughs> which I mean it is Wood River. So. I, yeah, I mean it's not. Ext- I don't, and I don't know what <laughs> you know, uh, I just thought of? like school colors are down around that area, but it made me think of Trailer Park Boys and Mr. Leahy when he was totally blue. Well, you ever see that episode? Maybe somebody fell in a porter potty. He's and, a snurf. Smurf. But I don't, I mean, my best guess is, is a ghost. I mean. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know exactly the if, completely you said, naked. if you said what time of year it was. Because if somebody's cold to the point they're blue, they're probably not going to be standing there just gawking at the road. No. But I don't know. It's it's bizarre. It's a, and then then you take into account the, the fact that you said he had a look of terror on his face and yet he was not advancing toward the road for help. Yeah. He was just standing there gawking. So, I mean, there's that almost like he was just trapped, just suspended there. Yeah. Period. I mean, I'm with you. I think it's, I think it's straight up ghost. Yeah. That would be my, that what my money's on. Probably just suspended in the same area forever and ever and ever, which is a shitty way to live out the rest of eternity. But if you want to look up that uh, the Fugates, just Google the Blue Fugates or Blue People of Kentucky, and it'll it's <coughs> break strange. down their uh, genetic trait that led to this disease that they passed on throughout never, their generations. Never heard of anything like that. That was the first thing that popped into my head. I'm like, man, I've heard a story about Blue People. And then the more I got to looking into it, I found that it was I mean, an actual real thing. It could definitely happen, I guess. It's wild. But, yeah, take the time to Google that. And, Marion, thank you for submitting your story. Uh, next time I'm cruising down 255, which I do every day, I'll definitely keep my eyes open for the blue man. So, th- that, I'm going to jump into our interesting little tidbit today. The triangle. Which is a triangle. When you hear of a mysterious triangle, what's the first one you think of, Kyle? The Bermuda Triangle. That's true. But it's not this one. Isn't there a devil's triangle, too? Probably. I think there is. There's all kinds of triangles. Yeah, obtuse. Yeah, acute. Uh, This is dumb. The one we're going to talk about, though, (laughs) is the Michigan Triangle, which I don't know if anybody's heard about this. I have not. Kind of new to me, but the Michigan Triangle is part of the Great Lakes, clearly, because they're in Michigan. Um, That would make sense. And the area of all of the creepiness kind of makes an acute angle triangle. It covers Lake Michigan, which is the largest freshwater lake in the United States. 
but it spans from the left side of Michigan's mitten. The first time of the side of the triangle is formed by connected connecting Ludington to Benton Harbor, Michigan. The second side spans from Benton Harbor to to Manitowoc, Wisconsin. The third or the triangle is completed by its third side that links Matinawak to Ludington. There are tons of bizarre occurrences that have happened in this tiny, not so tiny, but small geographical area. I'm excited to hear about them. Yeah, we're going to start off with, considering it's Lake Michigan, we're going to talk about some shipwrecks because there are tons of them. Kind of like the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, there isn't, I don't think there's an exact number of boats that are on the bottom of the Great Lakes, but I've read numbers that it's anywhere from 6,000 to 8,000 boats. Went That's down. a lot of boats. That's a lot of fucking boats, right? That's a lot. I mean, and it's weird because you would think that other than the fact that people make shitty boats, what's taking them down? Because, right. you know, if they're, let's say there's a rock formation out in the middle of the lake and a boat hits it, you would figure that that location would then be put onto the little water map and <laughs> everybody would be like, hey. Hey, don't sail here. Yeah, don't go here because it sucks. There's just something about it. Right. It's the triangle. Don't, don't sail in triangles. Bermuda Triangle, you sink. Or you get abducted by aliens. The Michigan Triangle, you sink. It's probably one of the best words of advice i've heard in a long time just don't sail in triangles don't sail in triangles so the the first record of a boat i could find going down is the le griffin right it's a cool name it sailed in the late 17th century uh the world was pretty much fresh and new right that's old as shit and it's written that this might be the first boat to sail on the great lakes but it's not proven it's one of the largest sailing vessels of its time, set out on its maiden voyage in 1679 to find a northwest passage from China to Japan. All went well until the ship reached the Michigan Triangle later on. That's where it sank and never came back. On Although, its first trip out? No, its first trip out was 1679 China to Japan. Oh, I was going to say, that sucks. It moved on to hit the Michigan Triangle, where then... It just dis-a-fucking-peered. The great part is, no wreckage has ever been found. Of course not. And no trace of the crew has ever been found as well. Now, well, that's weird, but you would think that... I know that that area of water is big, but it's not like the Atlantic Ocean big. No. No. You would think that if... You want if especially today, if we wanted to find that wreck, we could find it. Right? You would think so. You would think so. Especially with the advances in technology. The only thing I can think of is that there's so many wrecks at the bottom, they can't keep track of them. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is that. But it's deep as shit anyway, so I don't know. It's just crazy. Another shipwreck that I've got here is the Rosabelle, which is a crazy one because she too was in an accident but it's kind of different um what does a collision take you know when something has a collision one thing wrecks into another thing right i mean that's a collision by definition yes yeah but not when you're in the michigan triangle because no, the rosa you're bell. in a fucking triangle yeah in 1921 the rosa bell 
with 11 members on board, vanished in the Michigan Triangle. But her remains were found floating upside down. It raised many eyebrows when it showed that the ship was overturned due to a collision. But there was no other boats that ever came forward being in an accident. And once again, I go back to my previous statement. If there's a rock in the water, people write it down on the fucking map so people aren't rolling boats. Nobody found her crew. Oh, so everybody went missing again. Yep. All 11 members on board vanished. Okay, so being skeptic, I mean, it's possible that they sank or floated to a different portion of the lake that people weren't looking at. I guess you could say that, right? Something. I mean, being skeptical. Now, I'm not really the skeptic, and I like to buy into things, so they probably vanished into the void or something. I just want to know what the hell did it hit. If it shows signs of being hit by another boat, but there's no other boat. That would be... No other ship accidents recorded at a similar time, nor were any other remains found. So it got hit. See, it's one of the things where you wish you were there. I don't wish I was there. No, I mean like investigating the crash. Well... Outside of the triangle, obviously. I guess. I'm just saying. Because there'd be a lot of questions. What did the damage look like? Yeah. You know, did it look like they smashed into a rock or did or did like two boats trade some paint? It apparently did more than trade some paint if it flipped it so well. And if you maybe hit maybe somebody T boned it. You think it would have to I mean, I guess you could hit a rock and flip over, but you'd almost have to think that it would hit with enough force to roll it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know. I don't know what like windstorms and stuff up in the lake are either. That's true. Like how fast they can blow. But I mean, I, once again, I figured it had to blow pretty damn fast to roll a boat over. Yeah. Because it I, didn't look like a small boat by any means. No, she's pretty big. You can find pictures of her. Just Google. It uh, looked like one of them old gambling boats. Yeah. Just Google it and figure, find her out. Another boat that kind of leads to the... Um, what were we saying? How you should be able to find the shipwrecks? Yeah, all willy nilly, no problem. Is the Thomas Hume, uh, the disappearance of the 1891 Thomas Hume, a three-masted schooner on its journey from Chicago to Muskegon, uh, is one of the boats that disappeared. They offered a $300 reward to even find any wreckage from where the schooner went down, but nobody found anything. Her and her crew disappeared to the bottom of the lake. However. The wreckage was finally found in 2006. Oh, so they did find it. A diver on the southern portion of Lake Michigan found the boat. So she sat down there for 115 years, and nobody knew where it was at. Huh. That kind of leads credence to these boats. Just, I mean, that that's almost a mystery in itself. How a boat can lay down there for that long and nobody notice it. Yeah, and how it just magically sank. Yeah, they were, and then they said it, the when I read said it was surprisingly intact. They huh. don't know if there's rogue storms on the lake that's coming through and just that's taking these weird. down. Because I mean, what? one would think there'd be a hole in the hull, right? That would sink it. I mean, I could make a joke, but that's about it. I mean, it probably sank because of all the fucking tax money that. Chicago robs from everybody and just overloaded and sank. But I mean, (laughs) other than that, like, well, I mean, I don't know. It's fucking weird. And I'm not a boat guy, so I can't give a whole lot of input on boats. But I mean, I can state the obvious that if a boat's (laughs) intact, that it just fucking sank. And I mean, it's not just 
singled out to ship disappearances and shipwrecks. Um, I've got the Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 2501. Great. Now we got airplanes. Yeah. Um, This deadly disaster took place in the Michigan Triangle in 1950. The Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 2501 with 55 passengers and three crew members on its way to New York, from New York to Minneapolis, uh, crashed. The flight vanished from radar. The captain had requested to descend to the cruising altitude of 2,500 feet due to extreme and unexpected turbulence. Uh, permission could not be granted. The flight continued at 3,500 feet over Lake Michigan. The flight never reached its destination, nor was the plane wreckage ever found. The reason for the crash remains a mystery. Only l- very light debris and body frag- fragments were ever recovered. So the entire remains of the plane... So weird. I read that the captain had radioed in that there was a horrible storm over Lake Michigan. And it was causing a bizarre electrical occurrence on the uh, face of the water. Mm-hmm. Said it just looked like lightning and electricity flying across the face of the water before the plane went down. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. Could definitely be some odd I mean, you, UFO occurrence. Like that that one story we had in the the UFO episode. I know which one you're referring to. Yeah, where the guy just disappeared. Yeah. In the plane in Australia, I can't remember his name, but that made me think of the same thing. Yeah, is that the one where they thought he was flying too close to the yeah the water? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, kind of ties into this, but not at the same time. Uh, Nineteen nineteen, people observed unusual and bright lights in the sky above the Michigan Triangle. They revealed that they had witnessed two large fireballs fall into Lake Michigan, and the explosion was so powerful that it shook the earth. The Jesus. New York Times reported it as a meteor, but some still believe this event as paranormal, as UFO reportings and sightings at the same time above the Michigan, Michigan Triangle were reported. See, I feel like, now maybe not back in 1919, but it, at some point, I feel like if there was any remains of a meteor down there, they'd probably be able to find it. You would think so. You know? But they can't even find gigantic boats. Right. I mean... But that also goes to say that there probably aren't a shitload of divers out there trying to figure out paranormal shit either. So there is that. They're just not looking hard enough. That too. So basically we're saying you divers are lazy. <laughs> you need to get out there and do a better job. We're not totally saying that. Get motivated. Kind of saying that. But that water that water's probably cold and water's scary, so... Yeah, I hear that it, it is exceptionally frigid in Lake Michigan. Yeah, I can imagine. This isn't necessarily paranormal, but it's a nice little interesting tidbit. The fuck it ain't. That falls into uh, the Michigan Triangle. It is home to the underwater American Stonehenge. Awesome. So basically, now we now we got missing boats, missing planes, meteors or UFOs crashing into the water, and now we got Stonehenge on top of it. Yeah. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So, America's Stonehenge is not that different from England's Stonehenge, except that ours is underwater. Archaeologists have discovered a structure made of stones resembling Stonehenge in a shallow segment of Lake Michigan. There's also a boulder that supposedly features an image of a mastodon, a species that went extinct 10,000 years ago. The exact location is not revealed to the world, presumably as research is still being conducted, but if it's linked to all these creepy events of the Michigan Triangle, that makes it pretty interesting. 
I wish I wish it gave more information on that because I would like to know uh, how big the stones and shit were. There's a picture of it. Oh, cool. So well, let me look here and see. The boulder with the markings of the mastodon is three and a half to four feet tall and about five feet long. That's pretty big. Yeah. I don't think it's quite as big as Stonehenge stuff, but no. that's still pretty big. Photos show a surface with numerous fissures. Some may be natural while others appear of human origin, but those forming what could be a petroglyph stood out. Which yeah, is I mean, super awesome see. regardless. I'll share these photos to the page. And I'll share an actual photo of the stones. It's not nearly as extravagant, extravagant, yeah, as the actual Stonehenge. But there's definitely something down there for sure. Now I was picturing Stonehenge, yeah, underwater, which would be fucking bizarre. Yeah, it'd be kind of, kind of dope. It'd be uh, dope. Oh yeah. From there, I'm gonna go into a little more in. I don't know darker waters i guess and this is of people actually specific people going missing here in our great little triangle so we're gonna start with captain george donner it's one of the most well-documented disappearance cases in the michigan triangle and i'm pulling this story from a book called weird michigan and it is stated, a well-documented case is the disappearance of Captain George R. Donner of the, the lake freighter O.M. McFarlane from his cabin while the ship was underway on April 28, 1937. The McFarlane picked up 9,800 tons of coal in Erie, Pennsylvania, then headed west through the lakes bound for Port Washington, Wisconsin. Because it was early in the season, the lakes and the locks in the upper part of the Great Lake were still choked with ice, which slowed the McFarlane's process. Donner had remained on the bridge many hours and guided his ship through the treacherous ice flows. When at last the vessel turned into Lake Michigan, the exhausted captain retired to his cabins with the instructions that he be called <clears throat> when the ship neared Port Washington. Some three hours later, as the McFarland neared her destination, the second mate went to the ship's the captain's cabin to awaken him as instructed, but the cabin was not or the captain was not there. Thinking that Donner had gone to the galley for a late-night snack, the second mate checked the galley and learned the captain had not been there either. Strangely, their mate reported that the captain's cabin had been locked from the inside. The crew began an exhaustive search of the vessel, but to no avail. The captain had disappeared. No clue as to what happened to Donner, what happened to Donner as he was never found. Ironically, the day Donner disappeared was his 58th birthday. Believers in the Michigan Triangle point out that the Owen McFarlane was in the triangle when Donner vanished. Huh. So dude was in his cabin. And With then, the door locked. Yeah. Of course. Hmm. And they could not find him. And I don't know. I guess I'm not, I'm not in the field of suicide, so I don't. I was going to say your 58th birthday, I don't feel like that's a very good day to be jumping off a boat and trying to drown yourself. Unless it was just a crappy birthday. Yeah, I mean, I guess you got that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of ways to debunk some of these, but it just seems like so many of them are just, for whatever reason, unexplained. Like they're just happening for no fucking reason. Yeah, I'm trying to think. How hard would it be to lock the doors from the inside out? I mean, without a key, you know. like, like it's easy now. If you just want to shut the door, you know how our doors work. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Lock I'm wondering it first, how it would be it. on a ship back then. It's a good question. You'd think that you'd have to 
shut it and then use a key to lock it, you know? And then you'd have to go unnoticed throughout the ship and then jump off the ship. Yeah, it's... Or aliens were involved and abducted him. Well, that would be even worse. Or it's some what type a of like... shitty birthday. Or it's some type of like a interdimensional void thing that people are just falling victim to. What a shitty birthday that would be. It would, yeah, I mean, you just you just vanish on your birthday. No presents for you. No cake. <laughs> no cake at all. No. All right, another vanishing in the so-called Michigan Triangle. This is coming from um, Outline.com. I'm getting these cases from these next few, so credit to them. Uh, this one is pretty recent, actually, about 2004. It's 30-year-old Christopher Hallex. He was a well-known, seasoned, and experienced outdoorsman, very familiar with the terrain of the area. On March 17, 2004, Halleck told everyone he was heading up to his remote cabin near Tukwanaman Falls State Park, but he never arrived there. His concerned family soon reported him missing, and a search was carried out by the Chippewa County Sheriff's Department. They were able to follow his snowshoe tracks for some time before they just stopped suddenly at the edge of a tang- tangle of wooded swampland. It's considered very odd because the missing man was such an experienced outdoorsman to the point that he had even set up stashes of supplies and food throughout the area in the event that he ever got lost. None of these had been touched except for one, which seemed to have been rifled through with nothing actually taken. Its significance in the vanishing is unknown. There was also found a spent shell casing from the man's gun, but this was also a mystery and unable to be connected to anything. Halifax has not been seen since. No, that's fucking weird. Nothing like nothing interests me more than people just disappearing. Hey, Hollow Cult. The weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tacovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tacovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's re- it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. That blows my fucking mind. It is crazy. How people just vanish. And it seems to happen a lot with experienced outdoorsmen. Which just makes it that much more crazy. I know. And the dude made food stashes. Yeah, like this dude was prepared. And then, I mean, one could assume that in his little food stash that something may have gotten into it and just kind of rifled through it and left it. Yeah, like an animal or some shit. Yeah. And then the spent shell casing, I mean, there's, one, there's only two explanations for me. He was shooting at something or he was trying to make a loud enough noise for somebody to come to find found. him. I didn't think about that. That's about the only two things that I could think of as far as reasons for shooting your gun when you're lost. The thing with me is it's so fucking weird, man. Like, where the F do these people go? I don't know. Like, eventually we're going to do a segment on Missing 411, if anybody is familiar with that. You know what we're talking about. But Crazy if not, stories. It, David Politis is doing an excellent investigation into people that are going missing, mostly in... Uh, national parks but he's kind of branching out and just talking about people who just disappear and it's it's fucking nuts but that being said uh in the summer 2008 there was an odd vanishing from the exact same area as halix is vanishing so this is four years later 73 year old joe cluley and his dog chip seemed to have walked off the face of the earth cluley had come from florida with his wife lorraine to spend the summer at their cabin in the Higgins area of Lake Michigan along the Taquamanon River, the same one as the other one. On July 13, 2008, he drove up to the Taqua Trail in the Taquama Falls State Park to go hiking along with his beloved dog, Chip. Along the way, he called his wife and told her he would be back by 9 p.m. that evening, but he never would arrive. When he was reported missing, police came to investigate and it was found that his van was unlocked and the keys were left inside, something he would have been unlikely to do, which suggests he had made it back to the vehicle. What happened after is anyone's guess. A massive search operation was launched, scouring 10,000 acres for miles around, but no clue of where the man or his dog had gone was ever found. Then on August 1st, the dog Chip would inexplicably appear at the cabin. Undernourished but alive, and none too worse for wear. Unfortunately, the dog could obviously not elaborate on what happened to, or what happened, and Cluey himself remained missing and has seemingly vanished into thin air. That was going to be my first question, was if uh, the dog went missing too and never came back. It did. Yeah, it did. And it came back malnourished. Which is, you, I mean, you would think a dog would find food. I mean, that's you know what, what I, mean? I would think. If it had to scavenge or whatever, the dog would find food. Yeah, I mean, and being that close to the lake, you figure there's got to be a dead fish once in a while. Something. Hunt a squirrel. I mean, I don't know what kind of dog it is, but it have to be something. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it would come back unless it was just that lazy of a dog. Could be. I mean, I mean, even my golden retriever's pretty lazy, but she would probably find some food. My mom had a super fat, lazy black lab, and it would dig up molds. And for it to be, I don't know. I don't know how far he was from the cabin for the dog to come back to the cabin. It's wild. And being 
being that he was around his cabin, one would assume that he, he knew the area because it it's not like it was going somewhere for the first time. It was their cabin. Yeah. The same year, a 35-year-old Derek Hennigan headed off to meet his pregnant girlfriend at a wooded area near Newberry, planning to meet up at a deer hunting blind in the trees. He is known to have started his walk to the meeting spot, but he would never show up. His increasingly worried girlfriend waiting quite some time before notifying the authorities. Um, it would end up being assumed that Hennigan had met up with some sort of foul play as he had thought to have been involved with some unsavory characters, but no trace of him was ever found. So that one could be explained, like maybe he was into some weird, some shady shit. Yeah. But no proof because they never found a body. And another interesting side note I just noticed is that so far... All the individual disappearances have been male. True. No female ones yet. But. That changes? It's about to change. Okay. All right. Um, an even more recent one is the summer of 2013 when two-year-old Amber Rose Smith vanished from right in front of her home in Nuego County, Michigan. According to the father, he had been watching her play with the family's two dogs when he stepped inside for a moment to relieve himself. When he'd gone back outside, she was nowhere to be seen would not respond to her name being called. The dogs appeared not long after without her. An intensive search involving hundreds of volunteers and emergency workers was launched to no avail. The next day, she was found around two miles from her home, standing in the middle of a road that had already been searched, just staring into space. Oh, shit. Yeah. She was unable to express what happened to her, but seemed to definitely be in a state of shock and disorientation. It was odd since the two-year-old... It was odd since this was a two-year-old girl and she had somehow managed to navigate her way through thick wilderness and frigid temperatures that had gripped the area that night. One sheriff named Brian Boyd said this of the weird incident, and I quote, It's hard to imagine how a two-and-a-half-year-old can survive that distance through the woods in that kind of temperature. There's some that aren't convinced she walked that entire distance. Maybe she was dropped off. Those are things we have yet to determine, but we will in the future. So, Fuck that. Because, you know, from a... I guess a law enforcement look at it, you know, he he makes that comment that she could have been dropped off. Which is the first thing you kind of think. Right. Because that is a long, two miles is a long way to walk for a little kid. Right. Now, with that being said, I, I, one would assume that you would go down the dark road and perform a abuse test on the girl, right? Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, you would think so. Now, if that come back where she it showed no signs of physical or sexual abuse, then the the plot thickens, and, and then the fact I mean what obviously what got me being the alien guy is she was they found her staring at the fucking sky, yeah, and then he's you know he uses the phrase dropped off, which this is all my perception, but like being dropped from yes a UFO yes, and the more you look into the missing four one one cases the more that that seems to kind of be not necessarily an alien per se, a UFO, but I've heard it described as like a grab machine. It will pick people up and the areas will be searched. And then later on they find the body like it was just dropped. See, and that's what's scary about a lot of those 401s is they don't find live people some of most of those times. Yeah. And then in some cases motherfuckers don't even come back some of them are just fucking nuts just nuts which brings us to like i was gonna say before the um 
two-year-old girl story, if there's one thing that is crazier than people just disappearing, it's people that disappear and then come back. Maybe not necessarily being found, but like this state case I'm going to talk about now, Stephen Kubak, Kubak, Kubaki, yeah, Stephen Kubaki. This is just fucking bizarre. On the morning of February 1978, a student in Michigan area close to Lake Michigan declared he was going skiing near the frozen lake. A day later, when he had yet to re- return, his family would file an official missing persons report. A huge search effort was put in place to track down the missing student. Eventually, Kubaki's skis and poles came to light near the be- near a beach on Lake Michigan. Furthermore, footprints assumed to be his headed out toward the lake. Then right on the water's edge, they stopped. There was no indication as to where he'd gone. No breaks in the ice were located anywhere. It, had apparent, it appeared that he'd literally vanished right on the spot. Just walked to the edge of the lake and poof, disappeared. Even stranger, later the day of discovery, after having already performed an extensive search of the area, Kubaki's backpack suddenly appeared near to the skis they found. What the fuck? Yeah. Most certainly in an area that they had already searched. Of course. Right? So it's like this guy's like, hey, I'm just going to go out and do some skiing. Gets to the spot where he's going to ski and then just takes his skis off and walks into the water. But the water's frozen, so he doesn't walk into the water. Yeah, which you're you're not... A normal, smart person is not going to walk into freezing cold water in the middle of winter. So, most cases would end here or shortly thereafter where they would never find him again or they would find his body, right? Yeah. Not so much. 15 months later, we get a plot twist, right? Which is a long time. Yeah, over a year. On May 5th, 1979, the doorbell in the Kubaki family home rang. Stephen's father opened the door, shocked and overjoyed, and overwhelmed to see his son standing there before him. He welcomed his long-lost son into the house. According to what little he could remember, Kubaki had awoken in a field in Pittsfield, around 40 miles away. Furthermore, he was dressed in clothes that were not his, not familiar to him. He also had on his person a strange satchel inside which were several strange maps that he didn't recognize. The kicker, he was 700 miles away from the place where his skis and backpack were discovered in Lake Michigan. That's a long way away. Right? 700 fucking miles, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could walk 700 miles in 15 months. Yeah, you could. But I don't think I would do that. And as they decided to, like, interview him, when he was asked about what had happened or where he'd been the whole time, his account didn't seem to make much sense. He claimed that he woke up in a meadow 40 miles from his father's house wearing the weird clothes with the unfamiliar bag and maps. He had no recollection whatsoever what happened to him over the previous year. He indeed was under the impression that no time had passed at all. Only other clue he'd come up with was that he said he had felt as if he had done some running, so he was tired. It's just unknown as to what happened to him. Like, not only did he show up 700 miles away, but the dude lost an entire year plus of his life to nothing. Which is strange. I mean, because in his mind, there wasn't 15 months between skiing and the field. No, he just felt like... like Okay, yeah. now, whoa, I'm in a field? What the hell? Shit, I woke up wearing somebody else's clothes. I got yeah. these weird maps and this weird satchel. 
Oh, damn. There's my dad's house. How did I, I, I don't even know where to go. Tonight? Like, because it was, it's almost like he was living a different life somewhere else because he had different clothes on and he had a statue full of maps, which can only assume you're, you're navigating. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're, that's what you're using them for is to navigate. And then all of a sudden he gets pulled from that back into where he was before, just in a different location. And he's like, whoa, wait, wait, what? It's so I read an account that he he had stated that he remembered taking his skis off and then he wanted to turn around to leave, but he didn't have any footprints. So he's walking through the snow, skiing through the snow, and he decides to turn around to leave to go back the way he came and his footprints were gone. But when they went to search for him, they found his footprints. They found his footprints. That's kind of crazy. So as far as the pair, yeah, go ahead. Well, when you think about, like it's, like it's almost like, upon his walking journey, he crossed a veil that was the same place, but it wasn't the same place. Like an alternate reality. Yes. So like, kind of like walking into the upside down in a way, except that, you know, in this one, it's it's the same, but it's different because, like you said, he looked back and there's. It's like, well, wait a minute. It's the Langoliers all over again. Yeah. Just eating the past. Right. As far as paranormal goes, I mean, it could be fucking anything. It could be anything from alien abduction to a... uh, It could be a time slip. Yeah. You know, because in his mind, he wasn't gone that long. Right, yeah, absolutely. But in our timeline, he was gone for 15 months. And it could be some sort of... But he had uh, to have been somewhere because he came back with different clothes on. Yeah, where did his original clothes go? You know, and... How did his fucking backpack just show up out of nowhere... Yeah. ...at the spot where they found the skis? See, and I almost don't want to go with Alien. I mean, you do hear weird stories about abductees having their uh, shoes and shit put on differently than what they had them on or their pants put on backwards oh yeah you know so aside from like you take his clothes into consideration so either the aliens had like a bank of clothes from randos more it's horrifying when you look and you think about it and they they dressed him they're just like fuck it put some clothes on him here's an outfit let's drop him the fuck off but, yeah, and I, I I haven't really looked into it, but I wonder if he kept the maps. You know, I was one, I was wondering what kind of, what maps they were. I don't know. I didn't even think to look at that. Like that's just even more like screwed for, were up. They, were they for different states or were they for different some, galaxies? Yeah, like some weird shit. You know, there's so many. It could be. Is it some sort of fucked up portal? You yeah. know what I mean? Like he just walked into because I said his tracks just stopped. Just stopped at the lake. How do how how does that happen? He didn't know. see his tracks leading there. They didn't see his tracks leading away. That's weird. Was the lake completely froze over? Yeah, it said it was ice. So in theory He couldn't he, have gone on a boat. He could have walked onto the lake and they not see his footprints then. But you would if think it was if just, there was, if it was snow, just a solid yeah. sheet of ice. If there was enough snow for him to be making prints, you think there'd be snow on the lake? Well, yes. If, assuming there was snow on top of the ice, yeah. then yes. Because he was skiing. So there had to be snow on the ground. Right. 
outside of paranormal, the only thing I can think of that I looked up is a thing called the a fugue state or disassociative fugue state, which is I'll just read it straight off of Wikipedia. Disassociative fugue, or formerly fugue state, or psychogenic fugue, is a disassociative disorder and a rare psychiatric disorder characterized by reversible amnesia for personal identity, including memories, personality, and other identifying characteristics of individuality. The state can last for days, months, or longer. Disassociative fugue usually involves unplanned travel or wandering and is sometimes accompanied by the establishment of a new identity. It's a facet of disassociative amnesia, according to the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So that could explain why he didn't remember anything. Yeah. But it doesn't explain how the buggy got 700 miles away, where the other clothes came from, where he got the satchel, where he got the maps, how he made his backpack just mysteriously reappear in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know. And sometimes with that shit, the the labeling of something, I almost feel like they blow enough smoke in a direction to be like, yeah, we know what this is. Yeah. We can't explain it, but we're going to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not full of shit. I don't know. Like, I, I don't His, buy that. I mean, I guess it's possible, but I'm not buying yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, it, the, only, the only boxes that ticks is him not being able to remember anything. Yeah. But this... The story does. I mean, the story of him yeah, disappearing is there. But. Well, to, to go backwards, they they said something about uh, a company with a different per, like a identity, and dude didn't really claim to be somebody else. No, no, he was just himself. Just dressed different. That he woke up. The dude went on. Miss Kobaki went on to get. Uh, PhD in psychology. So he actually practices, he's a practicing psychologist in Seattle because it messed him up so much that he kept trying to look into it. He's like, I gotta figure out what the fuck happened to me. That makes it even more interesting. So the fact that he was that concerned about it, he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go uh, figure shit out on my own. I'm gonna learn how to diagnose myself. Yeah, I just take my own brain apart. I don't even know. And with that, that fugue state, whatever the fuck it was called, uh, can that be, can that involve like isolated incidents? Can it only happen one time or is it like something that can be, or is most likely repetitive? I don't know. It's just, <clears throat> the brain is so fucking weird and there's, you know, would know what, what could trigger it. Did he fall and slip on the ice and hit his head or some shit? Yeah. I mean, that's possible. But I was thinking, I was like, you know, if, the, if he went through something traumatic, one wouldn't think that he would be out skiing. Yeah. You know, if like uh, if something really crazy happened in his life and, you know, his family was murdered or something, he'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go for a ski, clear my mind. I'm going to get my life right. Yeah. I don't know. Carving I up f- some fresh powder. <laughs> I found a little excerpt he did talking about it, which he doesn't talk about very much. Says Kubeki, this is from um, May 9th, 1979, the Benton, Arkansas Courier. Uh, Kubeki, who's claim, who has climbed mountains in Europe, said he had a vague theory about the blackout. And he says he erased 14 months of his life from his memory. The only thing I can think of is what mountain climbers suffer 
from loss of body heat and exhaustion. He said in a telephone interview, the combination can result in a temporary loss of memory. I have really vague feelings. I have some running shoes. I feel like I've done a lot of running. I also have a marathon t-shirt from Wisconsin that I don't know how I got, he said. Quebecki is a history major at Hope College, or Hope College in Holland. Uh, that's pretty much where that ends. So I got a question for you. When it I comes probably to, don't have an answer. Well, it's more of a theory okay. than an actual answer. Sure. But when somebody has a fucked up situation happen to them and they don't want to talk about it, why is it that they don't want to talk about it? Because it's fucked up. You know, one one would assume they don't want to talk about it because they're scared of it. Yeah. They're scared of the answers that they don't have. You know what I mean? Yeah. That or how they're going to be perceived, maybe. Like, I feel like that explanation that he just gave was something he's telling himself more than he's telling us. Yeah, I can see that. Because, I don't know, like, when something crazy, creepy happens to you, most people don't want to fucking talk about it. Because they don't want to remember it. They're afraid of it. Just blocking it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, his his explanation only explains a few aspects of his disappearance. Yeah. I mean, you know does, what it, I mean? But does if, it fucking last for 15 months? Well, the disassociative fugue said it could. It could last for years. I don't know. It's weird, man. The fact that he felt like... I mean, the fact that he felt like it was only a day or it felt like he hadn't lost any time at all and the backpack thing's fucking me all up. How it's searched for, not there, they return and it is there. Means either he was still in the area screwing around or whatever took him was still in the area screwing around. Yeah. I don't know. Like, And the more that... You stumble across these cases scattered throughout 411 or or wherever. I mean, hell, there's a local case where something like this happens. But it is so fucking bizarre how, like you are saying, that a person can go missing, the search party searches the area, and then for whatever reason they go search again in the same area and they find something new in plain sight. Not like I'm not talking like under a rock that they didn't check or in this bush. I'm talking literal plain sight. Like you, there's no way you can miss this shit. Yeah. And it's a, it's a goddamn backpack. Yeah. It's not like you're missing a, a 22 shell or you're missing right. a, a hair or some shit. It's a backpack. I'm assuming is full of supplies. Most likely because he's skiing in the winter. How does that just, I mean, I don't know. It's just bizarre. It'd be cool to try to, I mean, he doesn't talk about it, but try to reach out and talk to him about it. He'd probably just tell us to F off. Most likely. I mean. (laughs) That's what I would do. Yeah. Because clearly he doesn't want to talk, but he's trying to work shit out on his own, struggling. Yeah, which is, which is, like I said, he's afraid of it because he went in to, to get a, what was it, be a psychiatric or whatever? Yeah, a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Just to figure out his own head shit. And how, I mean, that would have to mess you up so bad. Because like I said, not only did you travel 700 miles and not fucking remember it, you lost a year of your life and not remember it. And you may have possibly ran a fucking marathon. Yeah, that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's 
think of how much think about all the shit that you've done in the last year yeah now still do it and forget it well yeah your mind could go to some dark places yeah no shit that's what what i'm what did i do and he just doesn't he's because we've talked about driving home and i know everybody's had it you drive home and you don't even remember driving home you don't remember most of the journey now take that by a year yeah, and then put yourself 700 miles away from where yeah. you last remember being that you thought was so a weird. minute ago. That's so weird. Any answer is is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that the human brain can block out an entire year of your life. It's a crazy that the human brain can allow you to travel 700 miles and not remember it, if that's the case. It's crazy if something caused those effects on you yeah because one would think like if you were on a bender drugs or whatever that there would be telltale signs that when you got back you know if you're on a 15 year bender or 15 (laughs) a 15 month bender even so it's it's not you know but like if you go into a lot of the logical you know maybe the dude had drug problems or maybe this maybe that you think there would be more prominent evidence of a situation like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And the fact that he's he's just trying to figure it out on his own. Poor just dude. kind of gives him more credibility, I guess. He walked in the upside down and he didn't even know it. Couldn't even remember, which is probably for the best. Most likely. But that was kind of my little trek through the Michigan Triangle. We're going to cut it off there because we're pushing time limit, kind of. Anybody that listens to us in Michigan, if you had any encounters or heard of any ones that I missed on, I just kind of touched on a few that I stumbled across. Please hit us up and let us know. We're definitely interested in not boating through your triangle. I don't get on water anyways. So. Yeah, Kyle hates water and aliens. Yep. Well, as we wrap it up, make sure to check us out on all our social medias and be sure to share our little podcast community we have with people who you think would be interested people you think is not interested just share it share the hell out of it and until the next time we talk do not sail in any shady ass triangle and stay weird Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.